Welcome to the Millionaire Mindcast, where we broadcast weekly interviews with millionaire minds from across the globe to empower you on your journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. It's time to unleash your millionaire within. Now, here's your host, Maddie A. What's going on, Millionaire Mindcast fam? Welcome into today's show. We got a great guest in my man, Josh McAllen. Josh is the owner and founder of Viva May Hospitality Group, and his somebody that has taught me a ton about resorts, hotels, hospitality in general. They have been ranked as one of the top hospitality companies in the world. They are boutique. And as you guys know, many of you who have been following my hospitality journey, wealth building journey of investing in real estate that is tied to hospitality, um, this is a science. And there are so many cool things that you can unlock in terms of income, in terms of wealth building, in terms of lifestyle, impact, fun, travel through this world of hospitality. That's why Airbnb has become such a craze over the last few years and why more and more people are not only getting into Airbnbs, now we're seeing this renaissance of boutique hotels, which is something that I've been doing, and really this just changing of the guard in hotels in general and how mom and pop investors, people like you, people like me, can get into this space and not only build wealth through it, but who can also enjoy in the asset and the experience that it can create. So today was a really fun episode that I know you guys are going to absolutely love. And Josh is one of these people that, I mean, wealth of knowledge. So you're going to hear probably some of the most tactical hospitality advice and wisdom that you can go and apply in your own journey, whether it's you want to just go out and buy a property that you want to Airbnb and make some income and enjoy yourself, or if this is a business that you're looking at, or this is an opportunity that you want to explore investing in with someone else. A lot of great questions that we really got to dig in and peel back the layers of the onion on today. So you're going to hear a little bit more about experiential hospitality. You're going to hear about this primordial hospitality that he talks about in terms of how especially as things are going more into a digital world, people are craving that physical experience and how important that will be moving forward. We talk about how markets and resorts can create their own demand and not rely on you know a booking channel or an OTA to basically give you the income that the asset can provide. We talked about the importance of location, 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 as well as people, people, people. And I think these are things that really apply to any business. A ton of great insights and wisdom that you can pull from how he has built one of the top hospitality brands and companies and really cultures within his team and apply it into what you're doing, what you're building with your team, your industry, and your trade. So a lot of cool stuff in here. We talked about the four different wealth centers. We talked about what is a good and a bad hospitality investment. What does it mean to be a great operator and how important it is to being successful if you're going to invest in this type of asset class or invest with another operator, some things to look about. We talked about the secret to making money in hospitality and really why hospitality is a better inflation hedge versus multifamily. That's something that I know a lot of people might disagree with. And he brings up two amazing points that I know you're probably going to end up agreeing with because I did as well. And I was a little apprehensive at first and I'm in hospitality. We also talked about some of the things that they do to differentiate their brand. Tons of great stuff shared in this episode. I know you guys are going to love it. 
with that being said, let's dig in. I don't want to waste any more time. We're going to hear from Mr. Josh McCallan right after this quick message from today's show sponsors. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions and of course larger deals and paydays all around we call this deep sales and linkedin has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of linkedin sales navigator right now our millionaire mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try linkedin sales navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast that's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial let linkedin sales navigator help you sell like a superstar today just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started well i'm excited to welcome in my brother mr josh McCallan, to the show today how we doing man Wow, when I when I see you, I know I need to bring the heat. Let's go. You know, uh, twenty twenty. Get my blood pressure up. Yes, Push that's right, man. I know. Last uh, you know time, you and I were getting to hang out. We were in Steamboat, and we had a great breakfast, and uh, we were talking about our hospitality models. Yes, and you know, you're you're somebody that um, I know gets a ton of inquiries about hospitality, and you know, you and I'll, I'll let you share a little bit more about your business and, and you know where you guys are at and how you got into it but you know we have two kind of different hospitality models um, and we both get a lot of questions around hospitality building wealth in this space uh, yeah. why we love it why we you know um, have chosen to kind of plant our flags here and so I would love for people being that many listeners are into whether it's Airbnb or boutique hotels oh. or looking to get into larger hotels or syndications, um, you know, want to know more about this world. And so tell us a little bit about your journey into hospitality. First of all, Matt, you you wrote you you laid out a couple great topics to get into. So we should chunk it down like for the for the audience. I love we can hit one real quick. Yeah. That the Mattie Empire is built around, first of all, dynamic hard work, a hustler, great mindset. I mean, everybody knows you from that. But you chose Let's let's kind of define your type of hospitality investment and mine. I'll start with mine. You explain yours. Please. Ours ours is built on um, it's built on investing in teammates and building robust like many layers of revenue per property. And I remember one time you and I were talking about your model where you're like laser focused on profitability, laser focused on technology to automate things. Yep. All of which I'm like I love your ideas, and they're not good or bad they're they're totally good actually but mine are built more on instead of just getting their room revenue what if we could layer on wedding revenue and then how about some resort amenity revenue and how about a management i mean a resort fee because you you're allowed to i'm allowed to just charge a flat out resort fee just because we have a resort and then what if we could do uh, bars everywhere you know bars out in the um 
out in the gardens, bars everywhere. Bars are great revenue. So ours is a, you know, it's a stacked model. You know, I always say when we first got into hospitality as a syndicator, and this is something else we should get into. Uh, I always felt like I was the only one out there talking about, join us, become part of our syndication. You will own legacy perpetual cash flow machines. And everybody else was talking about multifamily. You know, and you and I know a hundred friends that do multifamily self storage. Some per- friends do uh, mobile home parks, and you and I probably appreciate all of that stuff. As a matter of fact, you probably do all of it. I don't get to do all the cool stuff other than hospitality. So uh, we could dive into that deeper, but I mean, our whole model is is built on building a robust operating company that can handle tons of revenue efficiently, and then continually look for new ways to maximize revenue and profit. And I fell in love with this model over the last decade. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, right? There's there's tons of different models out there in hospitality and how you can make money. And 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 I think too, one of the things I always say to people is based on what your goals are, there's a perfect business model for your goals. And so it doesn't mean that you're doing the wrong thing or that this is the only right thing to do. It depends on what are you trying to get out of this, right? And with what you guys have built... Um, you know, like you said, you've got you've got kind of your tree trunk of revenue, and then you've got all of these branches and leaves that have yeah. you know come off of it, right? And you and I were talking before the show. Everybody, this it's been kind of romanticized, and now I think really overdone in a lot of different ways of passive income, passive income, passive income. And I know a lot of people that you know, quote unquote, have 10, 11, 12, 13 you know, passive income streams and they're making $9,000 a month. Where I also know people that maybe have one or two passive income streams, but they are 100% laser focused on their vertical income. And we were talking about like making active income. You're, what you trade time for money, if it's something that you're passionate about, if it's something that you, know, you can maximize you know, to the 10th power of what these little tiny passive income streams can do, like, Let's make active income cool again, right? And so I would love to kind of <laughs> dig in a little bit more on, you know, why have you stayed in your lane and only focused on this particular vertical of hospitality? And what are some of the struggles that have, you know, been with that in terms of like how have you said no to so many different things, being that you get a lot of, you know, opportunities? Like talk about your mentality about planting your flag, staying in your ecosystem and maximizing this thing to its fullest potential instead of diverting so much attention and resources elsewhere. Well, we, um, we appreciate this. As a matter of fact, it's a lot about mindset. You know, I mean, the Millionaire Mindcast has taught a lot of us, you got to put your mind... You got to get your mind right. So uh, the actual story begins uh, where why I'm so deep and rooted in this robust legacy wealth engine called uh, resort hospitality. If you really want to be precise, the type of hospitality that we're nationally known for, both as a capital syndicator and as a nationally recognized operator, is what is called, very precise terms, drive to leisure resort. So not fly to, not Bahamas, not out in the Hawaii even. I mean, though I love all those areas. They are. They were the most, you know, vulnerable in the leisure travel during the pandemic. Right, you couldn't really easily get on a plane. Then the second most vulnerable during the pandemic was business and urban hotels and hospitality, which you and I four years ago would have thought was the safest 
part of hospitality would have been Marriott and Hilton, we would have thought, wow, that's really stable because they have every corporate business has corporate offsites. Every corporate business has a uh, loyalty card for every one of their employees to go to only Marriott's or only Hilton's. They're like locked in, man. They have guaranteed revenue every year. We would have both said that four years ago. And then the pandemic happened. And all of a sudden, what I've been doing for a decade plus became the only profitable sector in hospitality. And that is where you can get in a car from New York City or you can get into a car from anywhere on the East Coast, really. I'm East Coast focused right now. I know you're West Coast focused. But if you get in the car in DC or whatever, you need to be able to get a few hours out and find total peace and tranquility, something natural, beautiful, and have peace and, and leisure. And that travel, other than a blip during the pandemic, not a, not a crushing blip, but a blip, has actually grown during the pandemic. Um, it, and it really made everybody realize why I fell in love with it 10 years ago plus. So anyway, that's technically our specialty. And then you might say, well, what is, why do you keep saying the word resort, Josh? Why don't you just say hotels, dude? Well, there's a big distinction for me. A resort, either whether Wikipedia defines it this way or not, to me, a resort is a hotel-based asset that has many other revenue streams and that the person can actually use as a final destination on their leisure trip. And when you create one of those, you really can design your profitability because, because I'll explain. I'm going to use a, I'm going to use a very precise example about how our type of hospitality, I can get rid of a lot of the blips, the, uh, what do you call those, the waves and the site. I can get rid of a lot of them. And I'll tell you my number one technique to get rid of the waves of all of a sudden we're sold out. All of a sudden we're not sold out. All of a sudden we're sold out. We're not. How do I help streamline that 12 months out of the year? And then I'm going to teach you how this type of hospitality that we focus on, we can actually take that ADR, our average daily rate, and systematically grow it no matter what else is going on in the economy, I can grow it. And I'll tell you how we do both of those. One is, you know, one is you need to, in general, philosophically, resorts also have this power of creating their own demand. And, you know, back to, uh, let's use the complete polar opposite of me. The polar opposite of our type of hospitality is a Hampton Inn. Hilton owns this brand. It's called Hampton Inn. For about 10 years, it was one of the hottest brands. I'm not sure it's that hot anymore. But like the majority of people who said, I invest in hotels, bought Holiday Inn Expresses or Hampton Inns or that equivalent hot type of hospitality where there's almost no staff. There's a check-in counter. There's uh, someone who puts food out in the morning for a few hours. And then, of course, cleaning teams. And they thought this was the world's best type of hospitality. You, you can change your rate based on the demand in the economy. So if the market has a conference going on and you get the overflow rooms, you can just keep getting your rate higher. Sounded great. But you know what? The inverse is also true. If there's no conference going on in the market, or if the highway is not busy that day, or there's not some natural disaster, you might only be 50% occupied and your rate might be 100 bucks because you're begging people to show up because there's no reason for them to go to your property. Flip side, when you buy one of these resorts, it's on you. It's on your spit and grit and creativity to create demand because I'm not a highway side hotel and I'm not a Hilton downtown. Both of those benefit from what's going on in the neighborhood. We are our own neighborhood. We're in a 240-acre natural preserve, if you want to think of it. Uh, there's a thousand acres around it that we could get back if we wanted. All beautiful, kind of pristine agricultural land. And nobody drives by here. So fast forward, three, four years ago, we bought this property. It had almost no revenue. It was known out of business. And this year, 
has great grew by a hundred percent during the pandemic. It grew by three hundred percent this year. Wow. And it'll grow by another two hundred percent next year. And it's just because what we did is we booked future business using weddings. So my number one technique I use is weddings. We have acres of resort golf course. We have acres of outdoor dining. We have acres of beauty. Uh, so instead of us just hoping people show up, we've already sold two years out. And we have completely booked our entire revenue for 22. Today's the first few days. It's amazing. We almost completely booked all of our revenue goals for 23. And we almost have a very insulated business. You know, even as the economy shifts and swiggles, you know, we already have their money, Matt. That's the other big difference between our type of hospitality and let's say multifamily business. You and I both like multifamily people. They're smart people. We all think it's a good business, but you don't have 2023's money already in your bank. We do because we take it. <laughs> you come in, you want to buy a wedding with us. We're the best wedding venue is in America this year. Um, literally the largest venue in America this year uh, for volume. And um, you, you say you want to have a wedding here. We ask you for 25% of next year's money. So if it's a $100,000 wedding, you're going to write a $25,000 check. Um, and we'll put it right, you know, right in the bank. And so now there's an, it's, a, it's a fee. There's no refund possible. And we can't wait to see you here. Okay, Mrs. Mattier, we can't wait to see you here next year. And we'll be here for you. We're going to have the best service and the best experience. But we already have your money and we know what our business is. So I think I've thrown a lot at you, Matt. Knowing your audience well, what would you like me to dive into deeper? And I'll, I'll really... Well, I think there's a lot to unpack there, right? That I think no matter what your business model is, um, you know, hospitality or, or elsewhere, that there, there's some, some, you know, some clues and some cues here that I think people could extract. You talked about how to mitigate that risk, right? Of supply and demand. And essentially, right, you guys have insulated this business model by identifying what your kind of core domino is. You've got a lot of other dominoes in this amazing you know, chain of events that resort hospitality consists of. But how did you guys narrow down on what the most Great important question. critical one was to make the core focus and build around that? You know, um, I'm going to answer that quickly and say that we knew we had this great operational skill uh, years ago. Um, but at the time, I was building beach resorts. I've done five mega world class, you know, look them up on the internet kind of resort turnaround. So, you know, we built this core, core capacity to be a turnaround company buyer, basically. So, part of our skill set is we buy operating companies. Yes, they happen to be resorts. And we're physically, we've built over $200 million as of this year of luxury structures, either houses or resorts. So I had those two competencies. One thing we didn't realize was, okay, we stumbled into the one we're using now. Right now, we're using weddings. At first, we thought you build a beautiful hotel. People are definitely going to come. You put it on the water, of course. And that was my first model. And everybody shows up. Well, they do for a few weeks out of the year. But how do you uh, stabilize things? Well, we started adding weddings. And we were able to then mitigate all those ups and downs of the weekends. And when you sell a wedding, you pretty much sell the hotel out. So the wedding's profitable in and of itself. The building's full. And there's a third benefit, and that is um, we have your emails now. Mm. So Jenny and Bill are from Manhattan. They make half a million dollars a year, salespeople and executives. And they had no idea where I was until cousin Lucy got married here. And now guess what? They're our friends too. So our database grows by like 100,000 a year, uh, just naturally because they show up. Now, back to your point, why did we choose weddings? 
We were doing research buying this one we're in now, and it was a bankrupt property, but it was in this kind of sector of vineyards and this winery resort where this kind of historic East Coast winery. And um, I was shocked to see how many inbound inquiries they were getting before they spent money. They were getting 800 women to phone call in and say, can I have my wedding there? Wow. And they, they were bankrupt physically. They, they had a bankrupt um, bankruptcy and that a bank had taken over. So I bought it from the bank, even though the bank kept it open. My point is, I was able to quickly, and you could do this in any business. What is the economy giving you at that asset? Start there, build from there. Yeah. And, and so that's, that was the first thing I did is I kind of um, read the tea leaves. And then I built a model to, to hone in on that and maximize it. I love that. And you also talked about something too, right? Like we've always heard in real estate, location, location, location. And... I, I agree with that to a certain degree. I think maybe the, the step up from that, which you talked about, which was destination. So, Ooh, right, that is right, a distinction, right? Like it's not only about your location, right? You could have a property on the water that gets people to come certain times out of the year, and it you know it works, and then you have your low seasons, but. By becoming a destination, now you've mitigated a lot of risk because it's something that people want to be at all the time. I, you nailed it. You nailed it. And, and, and you know what? You, in every industry... Um, did you have a, a follow-up there? Because I want to just add to what you're saying. Wait, that no, is please. so smart of you. Now, we do still use location in one sense, Matt. We have a theory that our buy box is we need to be within a, um, an hour and a half as a sweet spot, but we can go slightly more or less from a mega wealth center. So our four wealth centers that we're currently trying to prospect in are the Manhattan region. So that fills Philadelphia and New York. We're well-known in this region. We can crush it here. We have building clients, hundreds of thousands. We could buy more here. Second is Washington, D.C. It's um, extremely affluent, as you can imagine. It's highly transitory. Everybody who's there is probably a transplant at some point. And they love what we build. We built an eastern shore, which if you're not from the East Coast, that's like their Hamptons for DC people love the Eastern Shore because it's all the boating in Annapolis and the richest of the rich. And then, of course, New Yorkers love the Hamptons, right? So you always think of those two. And then the next two epicenters really that we're focused on is the Dallas to Austin corridor. And down there, we could see ourselves buying real large lifestyle ranches, uh, other kinds of, I call it primordial destination resorts, things that speak to your. It, you know, soul, you know, nature, agriculture, cattle, horses, water. Um, so we kind of keep it old fashioned here. We're like the, as everybody's moving into the metaverse, we're going to be the one people standing out here in the authentic, grissy, grisly, touch it with your hands, smell it with your nose, taste it with your tongue, old fashioned world of lifestyle hospitality, which is super trending hot right now. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I was actually going to ask you where where do you think hospitality is going? Right, it's it's kind of going through this renaissance right now. Yeah, um, and and a lot of, I guess, one on on the back end, you know, what's going on in the industry, but then it's also kind of the psychology and the engagement and the interaction and the the desires of the customers is also changing. What are you guys seeing on that front? How are you kind of positioning yourself to that? Sounds like you you got a little little trend that you're 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 leaning into right now. Yeah, I think I do probably need to fill you in. I'm going to answer you quick, but eventually I'm going to tell you the heart of why we do all these hard things. They're beautiful. We believe that experiential hospitality is growing in popularity, 
and has a certain resilience. Um, and we have a few examples of why we believe it to be resilient. We call it, we summarize everything I just said, we call it primordial hospitality, primordial. So before civilization, as you and I know it, Western civilization, Eastern civilization, when cavemen, <laughs> that one of the earliest uh, industries is hospitality, food, shelter, care. And we always try to put in there the, the care that makes you feel loved. And, and uh, you know, everything we get to do here is soulful. And, uh, we, you know, it's, it, so we're going to go deep here for a, bro, a minute, bro. But really, I got into this business as a, a mega syndicator, a mega operator, because of my heart wouldn't let me do anything else. I, I just had uh, experienced working for a mega family office in the Philadelphia, New York region. They were buying things during the boom days of 0506. Well, they stumbled into buying hotels just to tear them down, right? That, so they thought, We'll buy Eastern Seaboard hotels and tear them down and build luxury houses and condos, and we'll flip them to Manhattanites, and we'll make you know. I I did that for. I was one of those guys that built five million dollar flip houses on speculation during the boom days and became quite a great builder. Got to meet a bunch of celebrities and athletes and had fun. And then the bust came, and so we took one of his leftover hotels during the recession, like the deep parts of the recession. He just tried to pay the mortgage. Didn't tear it down, but it was like rat infested, smelled like hell, built in the 70s, never updated, nasty funk. And it was, but it was concrete, Matt, and you're a builder too. So, you know, so it was like solid, nothing wrong with the damn building, just ugly. So we're like, what if we could retro vibe this, go mid-century modern, uncover what the original architect wanted? And what if we build out this whole franchise prototype, like Michael Gerber says, why don't we become the East Coast hotel revivalists, you know, like hotel flippers? So this was like 12, 13 years ago, I, we set out to become technically the best at flipping beachfront properties into gorgeous four-star and almost five-star East Coast treasures. And uh, we did a great job, got TripAdvisor's seventh best hotel in America a few years later. I was recognized as one of the leading up-and-comers in hospitality, Inc. My, Inc. 500, all that kind of cool stuff. And then from there, I, I created the companies you and I know today, which is Viva May Hospitality. I got to leave the family office with a few million dollars and buy, the, you know, buy in and create some resorts with investors. So now normal people get to do what that rich family used to do. They own assets that have been making money. This one I'm in, I'm sitting in front of one, has been open since 1864, never closed. So now normal families own something that goes back to the freaking Civil War. Abraham Lincoln was president. This place started making champagne wine from France. And stu- still to this day, Renault can sell you a bottle of champagne made in America, made which is illegal, right? You're not normally allowed to say champagne in America, but we can. So, you know, what, what, what happened was I fell in love with what hospitality can do for the soul. And I always say, if you treat the teammates that you have with you and give them a grace to know that they're, they're actually doing something good for somebody else's heart. You know, they're letting someone else feel loved by serving that great bottle of wine, by making sure they're greeted when they get there, making sure they're comfortable f- f- solving problems, picking up a, the, the mess the kids throw on the ground or whatever. They feel loved. And when they feel our love, how can they not feel be part of our family now? And so that method of hospitality, we call Viva May. Viva May is French for reviving the soul. And we are world-class operators, okay? Now, being a great operator, which means the guests are in love with you and you love the guest, is awesome. But it's actually not the secret to making money in hospitality. 
It's like the only reason I do hospitality is to make sure people feel their love and their dignity. But there's ways that we make money and it's good old-fashioned entrepreneurship, man. Like when we started talking about weddings, guess what? Weddings are part of a seven or eight part revenue model here. It's just they're the first domino. You even picked up on that real quick. Once I've sold a wedding, I'm going to sell the hotel out. I'm going to change the rate of the hotel each year by like 25, 50%, not by $1. Okay. It's just going to get more expensive. You know, it went from we bought this thing out of bankruptcy. It was like $88 a night here. That's how beat up this place was. Now it's like $295 is the cheapest you can get it. And we're on our way to $750, you know, Amazing. a night. And we're in the middle of the woods. We're in the middle of the woods, brother. We're not on the water. We're not in Manhattan. And that's a destination, right? Like that's that's what you did so well. And, you know, I think there's something to be said that I know a lot of people um, listening are going to go, sounds good, man. Like, I I like this. I like hospitality. Like one of the reasons why I got into hospitality, one was by accident for one, uh, but two, why I leaned into hospitality and said, this is actually where I want to plant my flag, you know, for my active pursue of income and wealth building. Um, you know, I still invest in other things, other syndications, you know, other commercial assets, but like, this is where I want to give my time. Like you said, right? Like it's, it's a passion. There's, there's a purpose in it here that I love. And one, it was one, a hard, it's a hard asset, right? Um, two, yes, it is. it's got, not only is it a hard asset, it's got income, cash flow, it's got revenue tied to it. And then three, it's experiential. Like I, as you said, human beings, it's one thing to... It, it's all about how you, how you feel, right? And when you can find businesses or yeah. brands that give you a feeling in your soul, like you said, that yeah. cleanse the soul, that revive the soul, there's something really special about that. And when you can do that selfishly for yourself, but even more importantly, for other people... And for your family, like I can, I can't take my family to the liquor store that I own in my strip center, but I can take them to the hotels. I can hear the people that are so appreciative of what memories and experiences they had and shared under our roof in Lake Tahoe. Like that is something that means Uh something to me, right? And so if that resonates with you, the listener, you know, I, I want you to share a little bit more about what makes a good hospitality investment, what makes a bad, or maybe some things to, be aware of that could turn into a bad hospitality investment. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast. And trust me, 
This is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. Okay, so what makes a good investment in hospitality? For us, we have a perspective. Uh, Again, four years ago, it would have been buy every Holiday Inn Express you can. They make money hand over fist. There's very little risk, very little operating costs. I never believed that that was my calling, so I never did it. If you would have done that four years ago, you might have gone bankrupt this year because they got crushed and really have no revenue source for a period of time and are still running at 20% below occupancy because... There's just aren't that many conferences to go to anymore, man. And that was, that's how those kind of places made a lot of money is being around conference centers. So anyway, how do you know if something's good or bad in, in private investing? Always comes down to the team. Matt, and when I watch you and I, I find out who you put on your team to do your hospitality assets, when I know your DNA, I'm always betting on you, the horse, uh, the jockey, I guess you could say. And uh, honestly, let's just be fair. There's no such asset class that's not vulnerable to a great operator and not also vulnerable to a bad operator. Now, we have a clear focus. We believe we are leaning into experience-rich, revenue-rich, contract-rich hospitality. And because of that, I believe we have de-risked fluctuations in cost. We've de-risked inflation a lot. That's interesting, Matt. You may not think of it this way, but hospitality is a killer inflation hedge. Yeah, it is. Because multifamily is not as much of an inflation hedge as hospitality. I'm the only one saying the self-evident truth about hospitality versus multifamily. I love multifamily. But multifamily right now is, in my opinion, slightly more risky than buying into a great hospitality asset. You might be like, you're freaking nuts, Josh. Tell me more. And I'll tell you the two reasons it is. Two reasons hospitality is less risky right now the way I do it, at least the way we do it, with contracts and with multiple revenue and to be in our own destinations. We can get rid of a lot of risk and we can change rate to keep up with inflation. Our rates right now from a cheeseburger to a glass of wine are up 25% this past two years. So we are outpacing the feel of inflation, right? Great point. So I haven't had to lower expectations to our investors. I haven't reduced any distributions. And yes, everything costs us more and I'm Mm -hmm. charging more. And there's really not a pushback because we're honest. We have to. We pay everybody more. So you might be like, oh, don't you have to pay people more? Yep. And I charge more. And guess what? Because we're good at what we do and we put ourselves in the right type of market. Non, not, as, um, not as much, uh, what do you call that? Elastic as you thought. Like lifestyle events like weddings, are they're pretty much a necessity to people. They're not like, I want to do it. It's like, I'm getting married, son of a bitch. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> right. pretty, it's pretty elastic. And even yeah. with the prices, we literally cost, our weddings are up more than 25% year over year because we created so many more levels of value. You know, Prettier buildings got better, you know, great staff, great amenities, great food. So we charge more from value and from inflation. But, and then the other thing about multifamily, and I'll say this, and I'll be the only bad person that ever says this. Guess what you can't mess with in rapid inflation years in the coming future? You can't screw with people's rents. And I know this year we were allowed to charge 10% more on everybody's rent. Let's try to do that for three more years in a row and see what the government does. Yeah. There, There ain't, guess what? I never knew the government could get involved and mess with your company until two years ago. I thought they'd let your company do what your company's going to do 
But when they tell you you can't kick out a non-paying renter, yep. and when they tell you you can't, you know, for uh, foreclosure moratoriums, they're actually in charge of your new business. And I don't think they're going to let you quadruple the rents over the next few years. They're just going to stop it. There's going to yep. there's going to be a government pushback on rent increases for housing. And I said, I don't think there will ever be a rent increase control on rooms at a hotel. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like it's not the same thing. Food, water, and housing, government gets pretty freaking picky about. Man. A vacation? I don't think they get as picky about a vacation. I haven't heard anybody say that. And I think you're spot on. I mean, completely, completely spot on with that piece being that th- those are, like you said, necessities to life, right? Hospitality is, you know, experiences, fun, travel. It's not necessarily that necessity in terms of life or death, but to a lot of people, it is. But it's just not regulated in that capacity or context, right? You and I think the same way. I mean, clearly, the people that come here on the weekend freaking need it. Like, they need this release, bro. They're stressed out. This is what we are. We are the place we're reviving. But technically, it's not going to show up on the radar to the government as a necessity. So I think we're going to stay out of the fray. Uh, from future rent controls. And again, this week, you and I saw the news that the U.S. government is going to start regulating beef costs, right? Did you see that? Yeah. Wall Street Journal? Yeah. That means they're messing with... So you and I say we own a beef company. We're just trying to pay the bills, brother. You and I have to pay everybody 25% more in rate. Everything costs more. And now you and I are not allowed to take that 25% and pass it on. That's going to mess up beef. Yeah. In a big way. My point is, see, the government will mess with food, water, and housing. They will get involved. Yes. Now, I know a lot of people have romanticized about owning an Airbnb and, you know, I own this property in a market that I want to travel to and, um, you know, hospitality being kind of this cool, sexy new investment vehicle, right? Um, It's not for the faint of heart. I know both of you and I can say that, right? Hospitality is hard work. Um, it is it is long work, um, and there are a lot of linchpins that this success falls on, right? And you said how to be a great operator. Um, you know, I was talking with the founder of Selena Hotels, and he talked a lot about location, 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 and making it a destination. But one of the things that he said to me that he said trumps all of it was people, people, people. Oh, he's right. And now I, know, I know he's yeah. And uh, yeah, right. And I know you really take pride in your team, in your people, and the things that you do for them, and what you expect of them, how you support them, and all of that is a key component of being a quality operator. So, talk about some of the pitfalls that you see in operators who are failing, and some of the things that you guys yeah. are world class at that make you the operator that you guys are. Yeah, feel free to take this for any business that you're in. Uh, thankfully, any active business, as you and I said, this show could be called making, uh, making your day job or your active income cool again. You know, we take our, our day job very seriously, which is hundreds of employees, uh, great operations, infrastructure. We're like a legit old school big business. And, uh, we put people at the beginning of it and at the end. And, and you might think, oh, he's hokey. Um, I used to think these types of language was hokey to put your people first and to make sure. But it turned out during the pandemic, we never had a staff shortage, Matt. And you know, every damn hospitality place was like, this section's closed because there's no servers. Mm-hmm. This bar's this bar's only got one bartender because we can't get a second. We've never, ever had that problem. Clearly, we had to go out and hire more people and people left and all that kind of thing. But we got more people every week. 
Yeah. And it was because, first of all, we're making money, so they're making money. And two, because we meet every week as a staff. And this, I think you can do at any company. We meet every week and we go over the WHY, the why we do what we do. We make it fun. We crystallized it down into a weekly required shift, okay? We get paid. So I always say we invest more in training than any company pound for pound in the world, I think, because we pay people to come to us. We do uh, seminars. We do skits. We do masterminds. We do all kinds of things in this one hour a week, every teammate, and we break it into four sections. We call it Viva May Virtue Training or Viva May Culture Training. And we say there's four key parts we're going to go over. We try to get fun in each one. Number one is we need to know who's on the team. We're big, man. Like in any one of these trainings, there's a hundred people. Okay. So I don't even, not everybody knows everybody. So we have who's in the room and what do they do? And I'll tell you how we train on that. Three, two, we say, why are we doing it? So each week in a creative way, we go back over first principles. That primordial hospitality is about delivering love. We call it a ministry. We say hospitality is a ministry and not everybody is called to do it. You got to love people to be in this business. And we, we go into that three core values. You know, if you're going to be on our team, you say, why don't you live by these three core virtues? If you don't like these virtues, doesn't make you a bad person, might be a bad team for you though. The three virtues are joy, humility, and ministry. So you're not really going to want to work here unless you like the work we, we offer you. You got to enjoy it. Two, you got to seek humility, want to be a teammate, not a prima donna. And three, you got to do this as a ministry, almost like you're doing something good for society by, by being a great person to other people. Anyway, and then the third thing we do in our meetings each week is we say, what do we need to learn to win this week? So there's a training on a skill. It's usually a soft skill from how to talk to people, to greet people, how to make, anticipate needs, how to high, have a higher sense of urgency, some skill. Okay? And we train on that in a creative kind of skit, role-play way with 100 people, almost like a Saturday Night Live skit. Then the fourth thing we do every week is say, what's next? And this is just because we literally, on any given week, do... This, we're in the middle of one of our busiest seasons. We do a winter festival with about 4,000 guests a week. So we do, we do activations, we call them. We run a programming department, kind of like Walt Disney World. We have people on property doing things every day. Paint and sips, concerts. We have world-class musicians come in here. So we have all kinds of activations. We own an ice rink. We have a Zamboni, for God's sake. I mean, we're like, we do shit. And we have a golf course. So we're doing a lot of things. And you as a teammate may not even know all the shit going on, bro. There's so many things going on that when we put up a calendar, it's like we have to use graphics and icons because you're like, oh my God, that's happening here. A historic tour with the winemakers happening tomorrow night and it costs $65. Oh, and you know this is happening. That's happening. There's weddings going on. There's a carriage coming with the horses are coming. You're like, oh my God, there's characters like Frozen, the Frozen sisters are going to be here. We have musicians. My point is, the fourth section is make sure everybody knows what the hell's going on. And we say, what's next? We call it, what's next? And so we break down our whole training into four funny words. Who, why, what, what's next? And we do it every week. And that camaraderie creates an esprit de corps. And um, I, I encourage people, if you're listening to this and you're in the Manhattan area and you want to come see how we do what we do, we're pretty much a transparent operation. Our goal is to acquire dozens and dozens of resorts. We do not think it's easy to do this. We think we've built an executive team like it would blow your socks off. But if you want to take these skills and take them back to your company, feel free to have them because we're very, we're very heartfelt to think people would treat people the way we try to treat people. You know, I love it, man. And you know that that is a, a, an example, right, of why you guys are world class operators. That that what you guys just heard is something that I think is um, 
you know, a, a piece of culture that any organization, whatever your business model is, can implement and see massive, massive. ROI in your people, in your customers, in your revenue. And these are the things that are often overlooked. And, you know, like you said, hospitality is hard work, but when you do it right, it is so rewarding, so fulfilling. And I think that's, you know, something that can be carried into any business model and really is just, in, in my opinion, a core value of life, right? Is like, Amen. get in there and work your ass off. Take pride in what you do. Take pride in who you do it with, who you do it for. And, you know, it seems like there are, one, a lot of businesses that got exposed that didn't have that and were resting on other laurels or other core values that the foundation, when shit got hard, they disintegrated. They went bye-bye, right? And then there's other companies that took market share because they had that in their DNA. And I think moving forward, we're going to see new innovations and new opportunities for new business models, new new companies, new concepts to come into play. But at the end of the day, like when you when you go into like the root and the heart of all of this stuff, it's hard work. It's hard work and and knowing that you gotta put in that work every single day. You gotta punch that, you know, that card and that ticket in order to really set yourself, your people, your company up for success. And I know that's what you guys do. So I am curious. I want to finish it off on this. What the heck are you guys doing next? You know, you got this massive machine, but like what is what's the five and the 10 year vision? Yeah, I mean, we need to we need to acquire, we believe, at least a resort a year. Um, since they're complex operations, it's a little it's not as easy as picking and shooting a pea gun. We went we we had to do a lot of homework last year to turn down a dozen of them. So we need to we need to uh, find more. We're working on an acquisition strategy, uh, but no, we would like to at least own five resorts uh, within the next three years. Uh, our goal would be in the in the double digits in the next five plus years, and then honestly, at that point, we believe we hit a pivot point with our great staff and the way we develop people, where we're going to start picking up tranches of of, of other people's resorts. Because as you're doing, Maddie, you're buying a bunch of them right now. Guess what? Grandpa Joe was you 45, 50 years ago. And I'm mm-hmm. trying to find Grandpa Joe and Aunt Millie. And I'm trying to take down all like a, a bundle every once in a while. I'd love yeah, to buy yeah. a bundle. Yeah, like right. Assets that people built with their blood, sweat, and tears. And we'll take it to the next level. Well, Josh, brother, I appreciate you. I appreciate, I appreciate one, just one, how you show up in the industry and, and the leader that you are in the industry. But I appreciate how you show up and who you are. Um, you know, in person, you know, for people that know you, they would say that as well. Like what you see is what you get, you know, behind the curtain, in front of the curtain, you're a genuine, amazing person. You're an amazing dad and and husband and and leader. Um, And I'm just grateful to call you a friend and a mentor, someone that, you know, I've learned so much from over the last few years and our conversations and, you know, seeing what you guys have done. So brother, I appreciate you. And I know you've got tons of content, tons of value that you share oh, freely yeah. and openly. So for those that want to know more about you, your brand, your resorts, what you guys are doing, what you got coming up, where's the best place for them to continue to follow what you got going on? Uh, such an honor to know you as well. I can't wait to see you. Will I see you in a few weeks? Uh, no, I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to be there. Up at the, the Park City? No. Ah, okay. Anyway, to find me, guys, uh, hit, there's a fun podcast that Matty A has been on at least once, if not twice, called Capital Hacking. Capital Hacking, where we break it down kind of like a mindset, mindcast show. Uh, and then we reveal these different techniques uh, to crack into the code. Uh, the second thing is please check us out free. Tons of resources at uh, Accountable Equity, Accountable Equity, two words, 
We're about 1,500 accredited investors. We invest together. We own great assets. Um, and I'm, I'm honored to be part of this big faculty committee. We, we put a whole bunch of superstars on there. And uh, check it out, accountableequity.com. Well, we will be sure, guys, to link all of that information up in the show notes. So uh, head over to millionermycast.com, get on Josh's uh, episode, and uh, you'll get access to all of that information to go and engage and check out with him. Say what up. Uh, don't forget to tag, share us. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, of course, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode of Millionaire Mindcast. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. And uh, with that being said, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thanks, Josh. Thank you, buddy. Well, that wraps up this week's episode. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed that interview. And if you did, all I ask is that you share it with somebody else who maybe needs to hear this today or that could gain some value from something that was talked about or discussed in today's interview. You just never know one piece of information, a conversation, a tool, a resource can completely transform and change the trajectory of someone's life or their business. So if you get any kind of value or you want to support the show, all we ask is that you help us organically get this in front of more people. Also, for those of you who are really looking to accelerate your wealth building journey and unlock more financial freedom, get more time back and just level up your life, your business, your finances, be sure to head over to therichlifeacademy.com to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family, whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, courses from our guests, all kinds of free content, downloads, checklists, upcoming event info, and how you can connect with us live in person, all kinds of great valuable tools. You can get that over at therichlifeacademy.com. Last but not least, I always want to know, who do you guys want to hear me interview next? Let me know. Shoot me a text at 844-447-1555. With that being said, until next time, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friend.